Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. We've got a treat today. We have the president and founder of Safe Catch Incorporated. He's been on Shark Tank, Shark Tank veteran, Sean Wittenberg. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much, Derek. Appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Hey, I, I love having guests like you, specifically you on, so we can learn from you. Our, our listeners are, are students of the game as well, and, and many entrepreneurs or some are about to start their journey. And uh, so we That's like to great. just learn from, from anything we can. And I think this is one of the best ways uh, is, is from, from rock stars who have been in the trenches and are doing it well. So, hey, start at the beginning for me. You've got a cool story about why you even started this company. I think it was a mom had some inspiration in it. So yeah. kind of take me back a little bit and then, then you can talk more about what your company is. And, and uh, so why don't yeah. you go ahead? Yeah. Well, I'll, go, I'll, I'll take you through it. And if I get too granular or if I get too vague, go ahead and, and correct me because it's it's a long story. Cool. So yeah, it started um, from a article in a prevention magazine that came out in around 2003, 2004. Um, it was right around a time when the FDA and EPA were issuing mercury warnings um, for pregnant women and kids. The issue of mercury, methyl mercury specifically as a neurotoxin and its escalation getting into seafood was um, becoming such a concern that health professionals were warning pregnant women and kids to avoid um, seafood products. And the number one product for me and my family was um, tuna. My mom used to make, when I was growing up, she'd make us these brown paper paper sack lunches. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. You know, and I, yeah, right? <laughs> I, I, mean, I grew up on those. Uh, right, public school kid, paper sack lunches. And uh, my mom used to put in that. I'd have tuna sandwiches would probably be two days a week. So my mom walks up to me with this article, and she says, hey, you just lost 40% of your school lunches. <laughs> and she shows it to us. That's exactly how she did it. And, uh, and we started to think to ourselves, like, you know, there's got to be a way to solve this issue. And I was just graduating from UC Davis. Um, my father was a chemical engineer and a patent attorney. And uh, so he had access to some friends who had some labs, and we just started to tinker with different ideas of how could we test fish for mercury and how could we solve this problem. And, um, you know, we first started brainstorming about this, this kit, a take at home kit where we would test seafood, but then we're like, Hey, wait, if we test fish at home and you, you have a home test kit, you buy the fish, you bring it home, you find out it has elevated mercury levels. You just, you might have information that's valuable to you, but you just wasted all your money right. on the seafood. So we realized quite quickly that we had to move this solution upstream. And so then it became really um, a process of developing a technology. We looked at what was in the marketplace and we looked at the current technology that exists. And in the marketplace, there's different platforms that were used that would cost anywhere from 50 to 150 for the sake of this discussion, let's say 100 bucks a test, and it would take a week to get results. Hmm. And so in the seafood game, your, you know, your quality is 
um, disappears in real time. So speed and, and efficiencies are everything to ensure quality and your value and your products are maintained. So we knew we needed something that was fast. We knew that it needed to be able to integrate into the seafood supply chain. And so it had to be able to operate in, the, in an environment that wasn't like laboratories. So we needed something that could go ahead and be dropped onto a dock or in a cold room in a fish processing center, you know, either very high heat or very cold or high humidity or water or dry. It needed to be able to really be very versatile hmm. and, um, and had to be extremely accurate because you're measuring really, even though the threshold by the FDA is one part per million, when you're really testing, you're really looking at parts per billion, wow. which is a very, very, very sensitive right. um, level of detection. So um, that's where we began. It took us years and years and years to pioneer science. We had the help of four PhD physicists, um, some PhD electrical engineers, um, some automation guys. It was a really intensive effort. Um, and at the end of the day, like most people realize, it's a combination of hard work and um, asking the right questions, but also a little bit of luck as well. Um, can't deny that luck is an entrepreneur's best friend. Um, and we had a little bit of that in our, in our early stages. And eventually we got to a technology and a science and a process that could take that long test and essentially from went from days to seconds, went from hundreds of dollars to pennies and we were able to, to solve it. And we spent millions of dollars in investment capital to get there. Um, and it took us years. And so then once we had this tool, we then had to figure out how to best use it. Right. Right. So (laughs) we started off, we, we started off by bringing it to big seafood companies, Hmm. telling them like, hey, here's the standard set by the medical community and here's what the experts are saying and um, here's what we can do. We can, we can develop standards to, line, to align the products with the recommendations of the health professionals so everyone can eat more seafood and feel great. And, um, you know, those, most of the people in the industry that we spoke to really wanted nothing to do with this technology. They, you know, they essentially model or says if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. But we were saying like, you don't really see the opportunity gap that, that exists from, from not having this testing technology implemented. And so, um, we then also took it to, um, look for government solutions and we were looking for different ways to integrate Mm. this technology. And we spent years trying to, um, figure out partnerships because ultimately our, our goal was, how do we create the greatest good? You know, how do we help right. the most people possible in the most um, profound way we can? Um, and we really, you know, we would have um, bursts of, of success, small little um, opportunities here and there that would, you know, give us hope. But ultimately, um, we weren't getting the sustained success in, in um, growth that would allow us to really scale a business. Mm-hmm. And, we had a really steep board and we had, you know, you know, a lot of different people around the project, but, um, I wanted to run the company in a different direction based on the information we had received. And, um, some of the other people in the company didn't want to do that. And so 
I linked up with my current partner, Brian, and um, we essentially ran an asset purchase. We bought our technology from our old company, my old company that I helped found mm. and created um, SafeCatch. So that happened about three years ago. And um, the pivot was actually written about in Inc. Magazine um, in 2015, 14, 15, I believe. And right around that time, the end of the year, beginning of 2015, mm-hmm. about March 2015, they wrote about that pivot. Um, and we decided to take this technology and to do the things and create the product we were telling these other companies they should create. Essentially, hmm. the, the, the point was if we couldn't get the big companies to work with us to, to create the product together where they already had the distribution and the supply chain and the production, they had all the resources we're going to go out and do it ourselves. Wow. And that's what we did. And so in 2015, we introduced our first product, Safe Catch um, Shelf Stable Can Tuna. You can go to safecatch.com. You can see all of our products now. And we introduced it at the Natural um, Expo West, which is in Anaheim in March mm. of 2015. We won the editor's choice of that show. There's like I don't know, a thousand products and we stuck out and we got some, garnered some attention and people really loved the idea of, of testing every fish and, and providing the, the securities that we can provide. Um, so then in 2015, about June, we started entering into stores and since then we've taken off in the last 19 months, we went from zero to a little over 5,000 stores wow. um, in the United States. We're just now in the last uh, two months have broken to Canada. We're now in about 100 stores in Canada. We have national distribution in Canada, hmm. national distribution in the United States. And um, we're really on our way to, to helping people live a healthier, happier life. Man, congratulations. And now we're getting... Thank you, Derek. Awesome. It's been exciting. I mean, and some of the things that are interesting is like really trying to leverage our data and our learning since we yeah. have this deep history, right? right? We've been able to say, hey, look, we've tested over a million pieces of seafood for mercury, hmm. over a million. So we have the largest database in the world for mercury and seafood. Um, and as we start to go out into these prof- health professionals, into these other groups, we're, we're able to solve what we consider to be the main issue within mercury and seafood, and that's very Now, the way, if I was to back up, just to give your listeners a little perspective on mercury and seafood to understand um, how it gets into the fish, there's a real brief discussion. Mercury has been in seafood since the beginning of time in trace amounts. Hmm. It's come in through volcanic activity and through natural forest fires. Mercury is an element that's been here since the earth was formed. The issue right now, and the reason for mercury variance is because of industrial pollution, mainly coal-fired power plants being the number one contributor. Hmm. What happens is a coal-fired power plant, you burn coal, mercury is locked inside the coal. It's in the earth, it's in the coal. So what happens is they burn the coal, the mercury in the coal gets vaporized, and in the product of combustion, all the smoke coming up the flume or the, the smokestack comes out, and there's elemental mercury in there. So that elemental mercury will then get into the rain clouds. And the rain clouds will then take this elemental mercury over your oceans and over your waterways and gets into your water, and it'll come down in the rain. So when this element, elemental mercury gets into the oceans, 
a chemical reaction takes place and this organic mercury, HG, becomes methylmercury. Hmm. This methylmercury is a much more um, dangerous compound for human consumption. And this methylmercury binds to plant life. Wow. Okay, so then what happens is the smaller fish eat the plant life, bigger fish eat the smaller fish, even bigger fish eat the medium-sized fish, and up the food, came, up the food chain you go, this um, biomagnification occurs where that mercury concentration will be higher and higher and higher the, the farther you go up the food chain. Now, what we learned in our database is that that's partially true, that, that that system is true, that that biomagnification is happening. But what is happening is it's happening in, in a very asymmetrical way, meaning it's going to impact the variance in the seafood supply chain so that one fish and another fish, even though it's in the same level of the food chain, can vary in mercury concentrations by, you know, 30 to 40 times plus as you go farther up the seafood supply chain. So what we're out here and we're telling people is we're saying, hey, the good news, everybody, is there's still plenty of pure fish in the sea. We're like, hey, there's still plenty of of pure product out there, but we got to start working today to remove these products of combustion from adding incremental mercury to our environment before that media the, the variance becomes wider and the average starts to skew farther and farther away from zero wow and so we're out here we're doing this work and so what we were going to these seafood supply companies and going to these groups and saying hey look you know two fish in the same pool in the same size like identical looking fish from the same catch can vary by over 10 times from between those two fish <laughs> within that same pool so we're like you need to test every fish if we want to be able to provide a product pure enough for our most vulnerable consumers. And that was ultimately our goal, right? Is to say, hey, if you're a pregnant woman or you're a small child or you're going through chemotherapy or, or you're you know, a super performing athlete and you're trying to you know, compete at an Olympic level, these types right. of consumers cannot get exposed to the potentially high mercury fish that would be in their seafood supply chain. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's the exact same consumers that need all the benefits from seafood. They need to have the, the, the seafood-driven lean protein. They need the DHA and EPA from omega-3s for muscle development, for, for heart function, for brain function, concentration. And mercury does, methylmercury in particular, if, if you're overly exposed, impacts negatively all the things you need to be working at this higher level. So hmm. that was our, our goal. And so we developed this, Product. We developed a bunch of products um, around seafood, but the one that we're most proud of is the few that we call our Safe Catch Elite, which is the one I eat. I had a can of it today. I, I eat it pretty much every day. Wow. Um, so this Safe Catch Elite, what we did is we said, all right, we're going to set a limit 10 times stricter than the FDA. Hmm. We're going to take the c consumption recommendations that are set out by accredited bodies, by the health professionals, by the environmental working group and consumer reports and Harvard School of Public Health and, and all these different groups. And we're going to go ahead and we're going to say, all right, how can we, instead of doing the best we can do, we need to do what they say we need to do to protect consumers and to provide the transparency and security for consumers to be able to follow their guidelines. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did with our elite. And that's why we set the limit 10 times stricter than the FDA. And now we have the first tuna product that has mercury levels as low as a wild salmon or a sardine. So it's now something you could have every day um, and not 
overload your system. It's incredible. I, I've your got so many, so many questions for you, but, but again, congratulations. And it's, it, it's Thank so, you. your partner too is, was your, is a good buddy and was your, was your next door neighbor too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's such yeah, a cool story. He, that was exactly, that's right. So, so he was my next door neighbor. We literally grew up next door to each other as in a <laughs> fence between our yard separated our two houses. Um, he was a family friend, helped us through many phases of the original company. And so I, he was well-versed in what we're doing. And, and when I came to him and we started having this discussion about the pivot we wanted to, 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 to do, he was, you know, fully supportive and, and wanted to lock arms and, and to do it. And, um, <laughs> he had experience in consumer products companies and financial markets, and he brought a lot of strength. Um, we, we complement each other very well. And the, the areas where I bring experience and strength in the way he does is, is very, very strong as far as an overlap right. um, between the two. And so, yeah, he, uh, he was there and, uh, and it was just, it was really funny. It was really funny when we started to tell friends that this was happening. We're creating this company. Cause <laughs> they're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> tuna? you know, all of a sudden you're at tuna family, family functions and stuff like that. You'd start to see, you know, each other at the same family functions. Like, well, you two work together now and you have a company and you're doing what? They're like, yeah. And then, it, and then everyone thought it was ridiculous until all of a sudden they see the, the, the physical product in their hand. Right. It's funny how, how everything is just, is is nonsense until you can touch it, hold it, and in this case, taste it. Yeah, I got. I, yeah, that's such a good point. And and uh, so, tell me a little bit about. I mean, you know, we see articles all the time, but what is it that made you decide this is what I'm going to go chase after? It's that important because again, that's a big step. Not only two things that really stand out. Not only one that you took action from it. Yes, we all we all enjoyed our tuna and the sack lunch, and, and many of us have read articles on on the mercury and, and fish and tuna, but what made you decide as the rest of us did not to take action on it? Number one, and then number two, to stick with it like you did in yeah. those ebbs and 13, flows. 14 years. Yeah. And, and it, it shifted so many times. So I can, I can imagine I've had consultants tell me to, to take it behind the barn before. Her life. And, and so, Oh yeah. So oh, how, yeah. how did, what, what let you know, know that you were onto something bigger and to keep, how did you know to keep going? And even though you were, you were taking on investors and, and to get to the point you're at You'd, now, now you're in 5,000 stores, but that happened in the last couple of years. Yeah. It was, there was certainly many opportunities, um, to give up for sure. Right. And, um, a lot of people have been surprised that in my case that I've stuck with it as long as I have, yeah. um, and why I've maintained the certain passion for the project. It's couple fold. Okay? okay. When I was in college, originally I had physics and a little bit of management economics and moved to management economics. I thought I was going to be doing something maybe textile and the investment side. And I was worked for, um, UBS for a summer and I was looking at that side but ultimately when I was in school there was this notion of either you have two choices either you go to make money or you go to make a difference huh. and they, they seemed to be mutually exclusive the way they kept getting framed to me while I was in school huh. and so I'm like if this world is gonna you know become a better place people are not gonna the the we're no longer going to, we're still going to be a competitive capitalist market. That's not going anywhere. So either we learn right. to make money and make a difference at the same time, or we're on our way for a pretty sad reality. And so that's, that as a, 
as a personal commitment to myself is like, I want to do something where I make money and I make a difference because that's the way we can create a model that other entrepreneurs can copy. Yeah. I really so that's like kind that. Of a, that's yeah. Really that's powerful. something that love, love seeing that. I mean, you went to a 1.8 billion a year U S shelf stable tuna market. Is it, is it 1.8 still? Is that right? A year? It's it's the the shelf stable for retail is about one point eight almost two billion but then you have the food service side of it right. um, which is a, is a billion more I mean global shelf stable seafood in the global sense is twelve billion wow okay is the is the market worldwide and so the U S is the biggest market but you know the U K market Australian market Brazil I mean it's eaten everywhere it's huge and um, it has this entrenched players I mean most of these companies have been around for 50 plus years the, right. the the big three as they're called within the seafood industry right. so to come back to tell you why i stuck with this I and mean, yes, there's a couple please. things that happen i would go we as a company every year we'd go to these big seafood shows and i would go into these big seafood shows and you would sit in the panels and you'd learn and listen and be in the space and you'd see something that was really awesome you'd see these really passionate fishermen and seafood providers that really care deeply about providing the highest quality product for their, their, you know, customers. But at the same time, there was no market research in these shows. There's no, there's no one talking to the customers. Hmm. There's no one talking to people. And everyone would say like, why is people not eating enough seafood in the United States? In the United States, the average person eats about 15 pounds of seafood per year, roughly four to four and a half ounces per week. And the FDA recommendation and the F recommendation of health professionals to eat eight to 12. So we're eating half to a third as much as we should wow. of seafood. And no one has been able to get people to eat more seafood. And I'm sitting here saying like everyone would be in these meetings and telling each other how much their how good their product is and how great this is. And, and then also in a sense, just telling the customer like, or the consumer, this is why you should believe me, but not having that conversation, not saying, why aren't you eating more seafood? What is it about seafood that you don't like? It's delicious. The rest of the world is eat, out eating us per capita by multiples, right. three, four, ten times in certain instances. <laughs> what are we? What is it about the way we're presenting seafood that that you don't like? What's keeping you out of the way? No one was having those questions. No one was trying to understand the customer. Hmm. As an entrepreneur, trying to understand your customers is priority number one. I mean, that right. is that is it. Is if you don't know your customer then you're just iterating into space and you're going to end up nowhere. Right. So that's not the healthy thing. So you're, you're seeing in the space and you start. So from my point of view, I started to get out there and really try to talk to people and have our company try to talk to people and try to learn from people, try to, to, to synthesize as much research as we can so we could be as knowledgeable as possible. And what we see is in the tuna section, we see in the tuna category, we see 2014 to present, we see a 30% decline in per capita consumption. Hmm. 30%, 2004 wow. to, to present. And that's 2004, if you go back to the beginning of our conversation, that's when the EPA and FDA made their mercury recommendation. Okay. Then we realized that every OBGYN and prenatal specialist for the last 12, 13 years has been telling these moms-to-be not to eat this product. Right. Okay? So now you have these, these expecting moms, four to five million births per year in the United States, four to five million warnings from a credible voice to you as a, as a sponge looking for this information. Right. And so you're sitting here 
all right, well, then the seafood people in these meetings are like, well, now they're no longer pregnant. Well, why have they stopped eating it? And no one realizes, wait, what are these parents are thinking? They just were told when I'm pregnant I shouldn't eat this product because it might not be good for me. Now I have this little bundle of joy in the front of my basket as I'm pushing my cart down the grocery store aisle. And I look at this product, and it reminds me of, oh, yeah, my OBGYN said it was bad for me, and here's my little boy or girl. If it wasn't good for me, it's probably not good for them. Mm. So this, the trust, the confidence in the category has been dissolving and degrading year after year, compounding. Right. And so you're sitting here seeing this reality, knowing how much I loved this product as a kid, knowing that we have a solution, knowing that there's still pure fish in the sea. So you start to feel this, and you're like, you know what? It's there. No one else in the world might not see it, but we see it. It's right there, and we're going to go get it no matter what. Wow. And so I made a commitment to myself, to, and, and the team has since you know, locked arms on this commitment to say we're going to see this through no matter what. And whether we're a raging success or we're the guy who at the end of the bar stool that's kind of mumbling to himself, one way or another, <laughs> one way or another, <laughs> we're going to find out. We're going to find out. That's great. I, I can see that visual of a guy mumbling about tuna. <laughs> exactly. They should have eaten it. They should have. I don't know why they didn't. You know, so. <laughs> that's a great visual. Well, uh, that's really, that's, that's even a bigger task, which is really, that, that got me, which is really cool is you are, uh, you are reinstilling confidence in an entire category that's been taking a drop right. for the last 13 years or 14 years. And it's, and it's given us a peak hole into a whole new area for mm. us to look into. And that is, Right now, as the world becomes more challenged with industrial um, pollution, essentially, the world is becoming industrialized. 20 years ago, China was an agricultural nation. Today, China is an industrial powerhouse. India, the same. Hmm. Other countries around the world are starting to become these industrial nations. And, and what you're seeing right now is there isn't some standard benchmark of, of standards you know, some, um, that's kind of a funny way of saying it. There's no regulatory benchmark that India has to follow the global standards for, for air quality and water quality and, right. and, and labor practices, nor China, nor, you know, Southeast Asia, South America, Central America, and into Europe and Africa. I mean, all these areas are, are going to be, you know, finding their own way towards developing, right? Mm. And, and at different speeds and different styles. And so we realize that, the the idea of brands to be able to in, to create technologies that will be able to ensure purity in food um, mm. and water and air will become more and more important because the world gets smaller as we become more connected and as these con- as countries start to transform. Wow! And so we see tuna in this particular product is one area, but. Um, we we see an opportunity to be far more than just the merc the guys who do mercury and tuna. We can be yeah. seafood. We can be many more things, and 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 maybe we'll inspire new entrepreneurs to see different areas of the world and different ways for them to be able to come in and and do it their way too. You know, I however it comes about, I think it's an inevitability 
because Man, people are gonna. What you're doing is really big, and I, 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 I didn't expect that going in. I mean, obviously, I knew you were doing big things, and and uh, have followed what what you have going on, but that that's just incredible. You're, I love the, the make a difference first, and and look at that, and make money doing it. But you are making a difference, and you've stuck with it as long as you have. There's been many opportunities for you to, to to change direction, and I'm sure there's been times where you said where you had to reflect and say, should I continue with this? When you hit those moments, or if you did, how, what kept you focused? I mean, obviously you have to make a difference, but were there any, were there any valleys for you where you said, what am I doing? And if so, uh, how, how did you get past that? Because uh, if you had stopped two years ago, you wouldn't be in these 5,000 stores and you wouldn't be, have developed this process uh, that can make a difference globally in the, in the quality of food. It's amazing. Well, we were doing some programs for, for big reasons, couples of ones. You know, I'm, I had an experience where I was, you know, went to the government and sat down with key, key people within the government to talk about these programs, um, very green, um, and thinking that we had solutions hmm. that, that was to be a no brainer for the government to be able to do more testing at no incremental cost, um, and, and to be able to create a greater safeguard. And I went in there and showed them 50,000 data points and just showed them ways to protect our seafood supply chain. And I realized in this meeting just how complex the regulatory system is within the United States, really worldwide, and, and mm. how the, they have to prioritize problems. And it was, it was essentially, if it's not acute and it's not, a disaster. We don't have time to focus on it. You know, right. we have disasters in the way of things like this. And you just, so all of a sudden I just, it really took a lot of air out of my sails. That was definitely one of the moments where I had uh, a really, really long flight home from DC. Um, huh. and it was pretty tough. A second, you know, a couple other times that were really tough was, uh, um, we would produce these very large, um, certification programs for grocery stores and um, we would show tests that were very successful um, on a test basis, but it would require the participation of larger seafood companies. And even though you'd show these large lifts in sales, these larger seafood companies in these certain instances would, would essentially tell the grocery store chain that they no longer want to participate with this grocery store chain if they were going to produce this type of a quality assurance program because it would be too disruptive to their existing systems. So here it is, you would spend six, eight months on a test building data and supply chains and all the um, quality assurance um, and regulations and insurance and very complex systems to get set up. So getting through all those um, hurdles and then getting to a supply chain, then proving sales that there's actually a business there that was scalable, right. and then having the scaling partners walk away. Hmm. Say, no, we're, we're going to block. So all of a sudden the you'd sit down with this chain and says, look, we, we love what you're doing, but we can't survive as a business without these particular partners. So we can't do this. Hmm. And so all of a sudden you'd have nine months of success with still no contract. Wow. So you really was those couple of experiences. I had that happen to me a couple of times and that's what created the pivot to the product company and saying, look, Seafood companies, you know, we start building our system, going to the source, building our own supply chains so that we can build our own products. Then we'll sell to these grocery store chains, and instead of these larger companies who, don't, who wouldn't work with us, now they can p compete against us. Right. 
say, if you don't like what we're doing and you don't want to do it together, then you're going to do it against us and we'll see you in the market. How's that experience that, been with price points and with, with, with customers, customer retention and what kind of response have you gotten? Was there any challenges uh, there or, or have you? Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's challenges for sure. There's challenges in the beginning. I mean, we we were able to build the supply chain was was difficult but again we had steep relationships from a decade worth of work in the right. industry yeah so it's not like a new entrepreneur going into a space without some some you know strong knowledge and really relationships and we we had done a good job through our history of being um collaborative and good partners to the best we, of our ability and and had built a pretty good reputation among some key players as being, you know, the type of guys you want to try to, to build something with. Mm. And so we got that rolling at the supply chain rolling. And in the beginning, um, you know, certain people were concerned that we'd be too disruptive, mm. you know, we'd be too disruptive there, you know, the same reasons that the larger seafood companies, you know, didn't want to test their products. They were now trying to put influence on these different, um, outfits to not want to do business with us and say, Hey, this is going to, this is going to disrupt. And so, but go ahead. You know, Sean, something strikes me about you. You seem to be, you seem to be very patient in this, in all of this process. I know there's an urgency and a passion, but there's, there's some, how, how do you practice that? Because I know you're pivoting and you're making some smart decisions and you've, you made some amazing traction and stayed true to your, to your, to your vision of making a difference. And it's gotten even bigger. Did you realize, did you uncover along the way and start seeing it was bigger? Or did you have a vision the entire time? Uh, the entire time that is going to be this way because yeah. you, you see the, the trend was there you you have indicators in the space so you have the you know other food products that shocked brands right right so you look at like look at chobani is a great example chobani right. is this greek yogurt you know you have craft you have danin two two entrenched players they had essentially the entire market um, they were competing pretty much exclusively on price and um, weren't focusing on the premium side and income Chobani, you know, and right. they come in and they buy a craft plant and they retune it for Greek yogurt. <laughs> um, they come in with something that's more expensive, almost twice the price. And then they say, it's going to taste better. It's going to be better for you. And it's going to, you're going to pay for it. And it's going to be more expensive. And out of nowhere, you know, five years later, these guys who are the entrenched players say, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. It's just going to be some niche little thing. Right. All of a sudden they're, they're a third of the volume and half the dollars. <laughs> And Incredible. they use the craft's own plant to eat their lunch. <laughs> and so you see, you see stuff like that happen. You see these different categories where um, innovation, well, first differentiation and then innovating on that, the point of difference in certain categories it just hasn't been done for so long mm. it just, or never has been done. You know, I mean, the people have been making canned tuna the same way for a hundred years. Right. Just, you know, twice cooking it, cooking away the fat soluble nutrients, machine processing, adding water, oil, putting in and oftentimes additives like pyrophosphates and, and soy vegetable broth, and then putting it in the can and pushing it out and competing on price. And so right. again, we saw in a category where, where no one was looking about how do we make it healthier? We make all of our products by hand. We hand cut it, we hand pack it. We found a whole new way to create the product that tastes better, that retains all the available nutrients. And we brought the same passion and innovation to the, to the space 
that we did to the technology. And we said, how do we, let's not focus on price. Let's focus on how do we make the best product possible, the healthiest product. And once we do that, then we can find the efficiency. Then we can tune it down and we can mm-hmm. iterate to get a faster process and, 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 you know, not try to compromise quality um, for price until, or ever, ever. And yeah. we'll see how good we can do. And we, we, we did a pretty, pretty lights out job. They're great. I'm really proud of our team. I'm proud of what we were able to do. Your example story. I've had, I had questions for you. Like, what are you passionate about? What are you, how do you maintain focus? But I mean, you've, you've, your story has shown the passion and the focus that you have. It's a really impressive example. I haven't heard someone do business quite this way with this much patience, uh, especially with the kinds of challenges you've come up with in a pretty big way. Uh, and, and held your held your eye on the prize and focus. What, what's next? I mean, you've got some big things, big things happening now. Is there anything else exciting that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah, we can talk about a few things. I mean, we're going to be expanding seafood, so I mean, you're going to see us doing that. We we have a I don't know when this podcast will air, but we have a a new line that we're working on right now that we're going to be doing an announcement about. Um, uh, essentially, a seasoning we've. We've been working with um, some amazing spice companies and seasoning mm. companies to develop paleo, um, sugar-free, um, very, very health-forward ways of, of um, seasoning tuna in, in a shelf-stable package so that we can um, create a very mobile protein um, 21 grams of protein, no sugars, no carbs, and just, wow. you know, spiced and delicious. And hmm. those flavors will be coming out and introduced in one month um, from today. We've the supply chain's built, products made on the water. And as soon as that's all released, I'll send some your way, Derek. You can give awesome. it a shot. Tell that's us so you cool. Think. I appreciate that, man. What a success story for you. It's been a journey. Uh, hey, we didn't even talk about Shark Tank, but uh, we're welcome to if you want. But, but man, you're you're t- talking about so many exciting things. Let me ask you a few other quick questions. Um, oh, tell me, fire away. I mean, you've had you've done you've had so much such, much success already. But what? How do you measure success? What does it look like for you in your journey? How do you, how do you know when you've made the mark that you want to? And what does that look like for you as you as you continue your entrepreneurial journey? Well, the, I mean, there's two, two points, right? For us, it's customer feedback um, is a re- big part of it. Um, you know, hearing from health professionals, hearing from moms, we get emails mm-hmm. and button letters, um, essentially from people who either had more mercury poisoning or had stopped eating the product and are coming back and just thanking us for the work we've done and, how they stopped eating fish and now they're eating fish again. And those are the types of qualitative touch points that make us feel phenomenal. The quantitative touch points that, that makes us know we're doing right is same store sales. When we go into a chain and you say, all right, we're selling, you know, this is is the numbers, but for the sake of this discussion, I'm selling a can a week. And all of a sudden I go back to that, same customer and they're saying now we're selling three cans a week and I go back when I was eating five cans a week now we're getting 10 cans a week right. and you start to see that scaling you know that that not only is the same person tried our product came back and bought it again but they told their friends and that's coming in and starting to become a, a movement and that's really what drives a company you can grow store count right you can grow store count you can puff out wide and big right. and grow store count but if you're not growing same store sales, then you're building success 
on on sand, not on concrete. Right. And for us, that is the driver. So we look at that. And so for us, as we look to get focused on expanding, you speak of patience, and patience is important. It's really balance. Balance is key. Hmm. You need to know how to fail fast and how to learn the things that will be successful and then to move very aggressively with, with big bets and a lot of resources once you find those channels and avenues to, to show growth. And so the patient comes from, from not just having one piece of data that just says, oh, this is it. We're going to fly and drop our resources in here. If you do that, hmm. you're, you might be successful, but you're, you're, you're likely going to miss your, your um, success-maximizing trajectory. Wow. But if you make all the right questions and you start to, not all of them, but enough of the right questions where that, that, that direction, that trajectory is really tuned in, then you start pouring resources on it. You're, you're most likely going to hit your target or get far closer with a higher degree of a higher probability of success of hitting that center target. So as an mm-hmm. entrepreneur and talking to entrepreneurs, what I always like suggest is saying, you know, just keep that list of questions close. You know, try not to let your founder's goggles or your entrepreneur goggles and your own, you know, um, bias hmm. um, distort your focus and vision towards your ultimate goal. You need to have some gut. I mean, I'm not saying it's just right. purely data because there is some gut in it, but it's the really having that right balance of hmm. data questions and hypothesis with gut, patience versus knowing when to hit the gas. and um, you know, and that, that's really it. And, um, we've been pretty strong and, and look, I'm not, you know, we're not calling, we're talking from a position of utopia yet. We still, there's still more to learn. We're still haven't, we're not even close to, um, achieving our U S goals, let alone our, our worldwide goals. Um, so we have a long way to go, but what we're learning is that the direction is that we've, we've put ourselves towards is, is seems to be going well. Hmm. You know, it's great to, um, great to really have, uh, for me, I, I would strongly suggest, you know, making sure you get out of the building, hmm. um, and get, you know, some other advice like you get out of the building and just, you know, walk and talk and get comfortable having conversation with people. Um, particularly people who don't think like you or right. aren't into the things you're into, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable is I guess another hmm. quote I say yes. often around oh, the yes. office because that's a really strong way to be able to get insights. If you only find out that you're talking to the people you feel comfortable with, you're only going to be learning a small section of, you're only going to be learning really or affirming what you already know. Right. Um, you're not going to be learning new stuff because the uncomfortable conversations and, and um, that's the only other piece to it that, that I think is really important. Other than that, I mean, you know, make sure that you're holding on to a good idea. Sean, thank you so much for being our guest today. I've learned a lot from you. You, uh, you're, <laughs> you're a rock star. That's one thing I envy about and excited for you, but envious of your patience that you have because many of us entrepreneurs are not patients. Either we hang on too long to something when it needs a pivot and we don't fail fast or, or we uh, are not patient enough to water and, and see it grow. So I love your story, man. It's so cool. I haven't quite heard it that way. That's why it's your story. Uh, so <laughs> safe, safecatch.com. People can find you. I'm 
looking in yeah, our yeah. area, we've got Ozark Natural Foods, uh, Atkins Natural Foods, and Rogers, and then this this goes out across the country. And so, uh, if if people want to find out where you're at, they just go visit safecatch.com. Correct? Yeah, safecatch.com, and then we you can either order directly online there, or you can there's a store finder. You can type in your zip code, and if you don't see us at a store near you, go ahead and ask them for it because that's how we get places yeah. that we don't know about is by getting requests. So. Awesome. Let us know and, and join our community. We, we're Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. Just get 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 become a part of our uh, our story. Guys, yeah. I want to encourage our we listeners not only to try the product; it's amazing, but also follow Sean Wittenberg, follow Safe Catch on social media. Go to safecatch.com and keep watching the journey that this business takes. They're, they're they're making an impact on the world, and he said some really big things today, making a difference. And he stayed He stayed with his vision of making a difference and being profitable with it and uh, learning to fail fast, but then also learning from that and then making good decisions and putting your resources on that. Sean, thanks again for being our guest. We wish you so much success. Thanks. Continued, and I'm going to be following you really closely and uh, continuing to thanks. learn from you, buddy. Thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity to share our story with you. We really bet. appreciate it. You have a good All right, one. Take care. Have a great one. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. 